Hello, Dave! Hello, Ollie! Hello, how are you? I'm alright, I'm terrific, thanks, how are you doing? I am treefic. Treefic, eh? Well, you know what else is treefic? What's that, Dave? Trees! Yay. Especially urban trees. Trees in cities, they clean our air, they protect our wildlife, they fight our climate change, and they make us happy, oh. Bwah, bloody love it a tree. Do you know what is twice as treefic as trees? Two times as many treefic trees? Two times as many trees! Yay. So would you like to know how to plant two times as many trees? Yes. Right. Well, the fabulous charity Trees for Cities. Who are they then? Uh, charity. What, plant trees? In cities, yes. Um, They work with local communities in the UK and around the world. They get all sorts of people involved in planting trees. And this year, they're taking part in a match funding campaign in the first week of December called The Big Give. Okay, why why do they call it The Big Give? Because it's A, big. Yeah. And B, it's when people will give. to them. Um, And the big give, it happens between midday on the 1st of December, which is Giving Tuesday, apparently, until midday on the 8th of December. So any donations during that time will be doubled thanks to the big give. Doubled? Doubled, yes. So what you do is you go to wobblywobblywobbly.treesforcities.org slash big give to donate. That's what you do. There's a hashtag. There's always a hashtag on, and the hashtag is hashtag Generation Tree. So there you are. If you want to help trees for cities, you've already planted over 1.1 million trees in cities in the UK and around the world, um, and inspiring the next generation of tree planters. Go to treesforcities.org slash biggive between the 1st and the 8th of December. Well, Dave, that is tremendous. Welcome to Sustainable 194. Welcome yourself, my splendidly up-and-coming, sparky, besuited, young whippersnapper of an entrepreneurial, innovatory type, all to <laughs> Sustainable 194. We are your friendly little weekly environment podcast, all about people and the planet, and you're fired. You're not from my organisation, so you're fired. Oh. Oh. I didn't want to have to do that live on air, but... It's probably better that it's brutal and swift, you know. Well, on you go. You can stay. It's all right. Very good. That's better. That's more like the NGO world I know. You're (laughs) terrible at your job, but carry on anyway. Right, carry on. What are we talking about? Innovation. Innovation. This week, we're talking about innovation because innovation is a thing that we probably ignore a bit too much than we should ignore. We're a bit sniffy about innovation. We in the green world, I mean, because, you know, we think, oh, we've got all the answers, don't need no innovation. We, we don't need no innovation. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. I do the music. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but we probably do need innovation. Come on, let's be honest. We're, you know, somebody innovated to make wind turbines and then make them better and then, you know, put them on long bits of string and put them in the sky. Uh, what? Yeah, that's happening. Or at least it could happen. Anyway. You think of balloons? Innovation. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, we need we need more of it. And 
So we're just going to talk a little bit about innovation. Should we get very excited about whizzy things and should we give lots of money and effort and attention to whizzy things or should we just put our heads in the sand and say, no, it's just knitting. Knitting's the last great innovation. Beyond that, nothing more needed. And to help us wrap our tiny brains around this, we're also going to talk to some people. We're going to interview a couple of people who have innovated. They have made a thing and that thing is very cool. We will tell you all about it in the interview. It's about food and not letting food go soggy. Um, and they're up for a competition and they're going to, well, they're one of the, the finalists of a competition where they might get loads of money for their product. And money talks, as we know, Dave. Indeed. And sustainable transport schemes walks. See what I've done there? <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> very good. Very so good just indeed. before any of that, just the you usual disclaimer. You genuinely should be quite pleased with that. I think that was... I, I, I am. Yes, I am. No, tell, I the, tell the listeners how big the gap was <laughs> that I edited out of me coming up with that gag. <laughs> quite big. Uh, we do work for environmental charities, don't we, all? Yes, we do. But these are very much our own views. If you got any beef with anything that we say, take it up with me or all, but not for whom the people what of we work, Yes. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Shall we? Yes. On with it. Oh. Yes, Dave. So, you know, last week on Sustainable, we were talking about hydrogen. Yes, I think that went well, didn't it? It did, it did go well, actually. We did have some complaints. Um, we, <laughs> As advertised. We, you know, in <laughs> fairness to us, we said, we're going to get complaints for this because most of this is wrong. But uh, Yeah, you know. including off of our resident science expert, Big Dave, who pointed out that our basic chemistry was wrong. Um, and off of people who know about hydrogen, who pointed out that our opinion on hydrogen was wrong. Apart from that, I think we nailed it. I think, I think so. we ab- absolutely nailed it. And it was during the course of those complaints that I had a little thought right and this is a, a little chat i was having with uh, the wonderful guys actually from the take it ev podcast i do recommend nice podcast other podcasts are available listen to all the sustainables and then you can listen to them but i wanted to give them a shout out because they said uh you've got some stuff wrong about hydrogen doesn't really matter what it is they were like and, and I, I read the stuff and i was like uh yeah that's that's a fair point actually maybe there's something in that and then i thought i had this realization and the thought was on this podcast, tell me if you think this is right. When we understand a thing, we tend to be quite cynical about it, I think. Um, and when we don't understand a thing, we tend to be all wide-eyed and isn't this amazing about it. So, <laughs> like, um, when we have, for example, nuclear, right? We know we both have worked on nuclear stuff in the past. We know about it and we're quite cynical about it. Hydrogen thing we don't know much about we're all like this sounds amazing this sounds absolutely superb it made me think that like i get really excited by the 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 sound of new whizzy stuff and i've wondered if we could talk about that so if you'd like to (laughs) if you'd like to talk about that that'd be great yes no I'd, i'd be delighted i think you're right i think i think that is a fair characterization that things we know about we're generally quite kind of uh, yeah it's shit and it's the oil companies really and they're all bastards and things we don't know about we're kind of like ah, oh we're saved um to give us our dues i think there was a bit of cynicism bit of skepticism in the in the in the hydrogen episode we talked a lot about oil companies being in hops and this might be a way for them to carry on being in hops but i take i take your point 
And I guess actually that is reflected in lots of conversations I have with people who are sort of their engagement with environmental stuff is what they hear in the news which fair enough that's how i engage with everything else and so when boris johnson says i've got a 10 point plan to save the environment they say this must be great news right and i say no it is all you're all wrong you're a bastard he's a bastard everyone's a bastard and they're like okay but it's just that the newspapers and the telly and the internet said it was good so i thought it was good and that's kind of how we are with Things like hydrogen and, and things, well, whizzy new things, I suppose. Well, sir, it's a plumber's nightmare, but it'll hold for a bit. It has to hold longer than a bit. I'm sorry, sir, that's about the best I can do, and I guarantee it's not good enough. I reckon I watched too much Star Trek as a kid. I reckon that oh, is the root. I didn't watch enough. Oh, uh, I really, that explains yeah, I, a great deal about the differences between us. It does. I really feel like there's a piece of me that is underdeveloped. Uh, <laughs> I think there is too, son. And in addition, <laughs> I didn't watch enough Star Trek and that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, you are awful, but I like you. <laughs> because, like, I, I think that there's, uh, I think there's probably quite a few greenies that are like this. That like, there's, I still sort of think. I think in the back of my head that we're going to fix all of this by technology. And like, I, I kind of say loads of stuff about, oh, but it's important that values and, you know, all living together in a giant field and hugging each other. And won't it be great when we all get along and the bicycle is by far the best machine ever invented and all that stuff. But what I really think when I see some whizzy tech is, f*** me, that looks exciting. <laughs> um, we're, we're saved, right? Um, but I don't really know anything about kind of the process like how likely it is that we're going to innovate our way out of this and the people who you know big people in suits who do businesses and stuff they'll be all like innovation mate that's the answer do loads of innovation and people who don't know anything about innovation at all who are suspicious of it because they think it's all part of the money-making menace will say no 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 we need to sit in a field and knit yogurt and sing kumbaya so like i'd quite like us all to find out a bit more about like innovation as a thing yeah, I think that would be a good idea because I guess fundamentally we don't we don't know what the sort of cutting edge of stuff is here, do we? Like we we're good at talking about the things that we've always banged on about, and you know, as per the last episode, there are things that get talked about in the environment world and in the in the sort of political world that are no further on than they were six years ago when we started this podcast, but were presented as the kind of the flashy tech to save us all back then. And they're, and they're nowhere. And I'm thinking particularly about capturing carbon, shoving it in a pipe underground and gaffer taping it closed, for instance. Go back and listen to episode 151, Ol, about nuclear fusion, oh, yeah. which we talked about, which has been the thing that is the next big thing coming for the whole time there has been big things along the line to come. Yeah, exactly. It's forever been 20 years away, hasn't it, nuclear yes. fusion? But, 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 that... That sort of cynicism, that scepticism does cloud and obscure the fact that we don't really know what the cutting edge of things is and whether there are things that we should be getting excited about. Now, you put this in the preparation doc. You put a word in the preparation doc that has letters that I can read and I can probably, you know, I get the phonetics of it. That is a word that says graphene. And clever, clever people in places like Oxford and Harvard and things like that they talk about graphene and then like quite clever bbc science journalists 
try to talk about graphene and they always have sort of slightly matrixy kind of graphics to go with it <laughs> i don't know what graphene is no what's graphene um, i don't know i'm genuinely gonna find out live on air so look um right graphene i'll as I think you knew, is an allotrope of carbon which consists of a single layer of atoms arranged in a two-dimensional honeycomb lattice. The name is a portmanteau of graphite and the bit on the end that says "een." <laughs> Reflect, reflecting what? that it's reflecting it's made of graphite. Wikipedia's shit, isn't it? Um, basically, graphene is a thing that is like uh, you get out of pencils. That's graphite. No, it's graphene. Graphene, you get it out of pencils, it says here. Um, and you put pencils on a bit of sellotape, and then you uh, strip off the bit of sellotape and the tiny little bit of layer you've got left, that is graphene. It's always easy to tell when your internet's gone down and you're, <laughs> <laughs> and you're riffing. Um, well, I mean, pencils don't sound like the kind of height of innovation. Uh, I suppose HB is still probably up there with all the greatest inventions ever, but... What's it for? It's for, so it's super thin and super strong. Is that the idea? Like, like, is is only a an atom thick or something, or a molecule thick? I don't know. I really it is a zero. It is a zero gap semiconductor. The, it, because its conduction and valence bonds meet at the Dirac points, which are six locations in momentum space on the edge of the brilliant zone. This is why. This is why people don't understand innovation. Because people yeah, write shit like that. Like, exactly. That's Wikipedia. That's supposed to be the thing that the public write for the public that's to understand. The accessible face of graphene. Jesus. Right. I know. Um, so we don't know what it is. Um, um, I've got good news for you, listener. That's us done. We're talking about graphene. Because <laughs> okay. I, I hereby, I hereby <laughs> place a moratorium on it. We might get big data to do a bit at the end explaining what graphene is if I can be bothered. Talent under tension is expensive? What does this mean? What does any of this mean? I've covered my body in complete and utter and total absolute nonsense gibberish. Right then, well let's, let's, let's talk about something a little bit closer to home. Uh, <laughs> yes. Something that we can at least attempt to wrap our tiny brains around because a thing that is undoubtedly a problem that needs fixing right is yes. both all of that plastic what is going in turtles bum holes and nausing up the ocean um and more importantly all of that food which is being grown you know takes a lot of effort to grow food and then it is being thrown away before it's eaten or is rotting or whatever a massive 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 amount of food is being grown and chucked away when at the same time a lot of people are going hungry and don't have enough food so those are two problems plastic waste and food waste that are undoubtedly huge and in need of innovation. And luckily for you, Dave, some people have come up with an idea to solve it. Yes, they have. So we are going to get on the blower and we're going to dial up two very <laughs> clever people off of... Going to get the called... operator to put us through. <laughs> Hello, operator. Can I please speak to Aicha Dunbar and Francis Field off of a company called Solu Blue? Uh, Solu Blue? Solu Blue. Solu Blue, I think. Yeah. Solu Blue. What have made an amazing thing what will mummify your food and keep it forever and ever and ever. It's very, very exciting. And then when it's done, does not go up the arsehole of a fish. So your product, what you have made, right, is ama- it looks amazing. It sounds kind of mind-blowing. 
Um, tell our listeners what it is and try to make sure their heads don't explode when they hear it. Of course, uh, we have developed a new uh, packaging material that extends shelf life of fresh food, but at the same time fully biodegradable in home compost environments, in sea conditions, um, even biodigestible by animals. Wow. So, This cheese sample in soluble packaging is two years old. It hasn't gone off and is still edible. The same sample packed in plastic went moldy in a few weeks. Instead of going moldy, Grapes preserved in our packaging gradually dry over months to become raisins. You have to kind of see this, right? But imagine some plastic, but imagine wrapping food in that and then it like never goes off ever. Is that right? Or sometimes goes off, but it takes a lot longer to go off. And then it's not plastic. It's what is it? Seaweed? Is that right? It's soluble. It's solid blue, and solid blue is made from seaweed. Um, so we're using seaweed and a few other plant-based ingredients, um, and the composition is our own. It's a unique material that we've developed, and it's it's great for packaging. It's great for single-use applications where um, where it needs to biodegrade really quickly. And um, we're by all means not saying you know throw it on the street or anything like that, but we know that we know that that happens. And um, but we can show with our material that wherever it ends up, it biodegrades benignly and quickly, um, which is uh, you know it's obviously a huge problem. Things that are like so grapes, for instance, in your packaging. Let's say you forget about your grape for you know a year or something. In your packaging, when you return to your grape, it's a raisin. You can still eat it. It's, it's fantastic. Whereas the food that I forget about for a year and it, it has happened is not edible when I return to it. And it, like, is that is that basically what's going on? Like your your food just kind of nicely dries out, and if you don't eat it, it just becomes a dried out version of of itself, and it's still fine. Exactly. So we discover a new way of preserving food, uh, which is, all, of course, it's like an ancient way that, you know, drying food is very, you know, goes on very early times, um, you know, almost like mummifying <laughs> the food. But uh, it's like our, our packaging material, unlike plastic, is breathable and hydrophilic properties. Um, it will keep food fresher for longer. But at the same time, uh, when the freshness is gone, instead of being, you know, uh, rotten or spoiled in the in the packaging, it will gradually dry over months, like uh, grapes turn into raisins or blueberries to dry blueberries, that we can still cook with them, we can still send it to as animal feed or um, compost it if it's not used. Oh, 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 oh. So, I'm terribly sorry to interrupt the interview, but I just wanted, I'm not sure, you know, having listened to this back, that the mind-blowingness of what this is is quite coming across. Yes. Because I think these guys talk about this all the time and they're just like, oh yeah, here's our product. Well, I think they're right? quite modest about it as well, but yes. we're, we're not modest and frankly, they shouldn't be either. The, picture plastic plastic wrapping picture your cucumber in plastic wrapping what they've made <laughs> that's about the 15th time i've done that this record and it's not intentional i don't know had a cup of innuendo before i came out here bloody hell right picture your uh, cheese lump of cheese um in yes plastic and it's, vegan, it's there, vegan cheese vegan cheese obviously um in in plastic and it's there being wrapped up and you think fine that's good that's wrapping up then you forget about it 
and it goes mouldy after a while and you think, well, that's what a shame. Never mind. I'm going to throw it out. This product doesn't do that. You wrap your stuff in this product and it just basically doesn't go off. It just just try and wrap your head around that. It, food just kind of dries out and then is kind of preserved and is fine for like ages. And then the best bit is this isn't plastic. This is seaweed. So if you throw it out, it just sort of biodegrades. If it ends up in the sea fine no turtles are going to have anything where it shouldn't be going it's 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 really quite something and i just wanted it's to magic shit it's magic shit it is magic is what shit it is. yes i just i just think it's important that we get across that we are talking to ali bongo and Wizbit here because this <laughs> I don't is know some, what that means look it up ask your dad <laughs> this is some magic shit hey let me tell you about Wizbit. now he comes from the planet of wow it strikes me that this is this is massive for students. Uh, <laughs> if there is if there is one demographic that needs this product, it is careless students who definitely didn't intend to leave their pot noodle rotting in the back of the fridge. Pot noodle is probably a bad example because there's no real food in that anyway. But you know what I mean. Like this is have you, have you tested this this idea with any students? That's such a good idea. I mean, um, I'm thinking back to when I was a student. I don't think I ate any fruit, but um, maybe if you had a much longer, <laughs> if you had a much longer kind of time span to eat that fruit, you might eventually eat it or cook with it. And um, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, we need to get it into the dormitories. What What would happen if you wrapped a student in soluble blue? What? Uh, how long <laughs> would it take until that was a fully desiccated, mummified, not desiccated, a mummified student? couple of years it's really depends on the the humidity level and the, the water level of the of the student i guess to uh, to give you a time well this, they'll be pretty dehydrated because they'll have been drinking for a term um and so i think i don't think there'll be a huge amount of water in there actually <laughs> yeah so in, initially initially hungover maybe sweating sweating heavily but luckily our packaging is breathable and hydrophilic which is which is great for that as you know so that's actually stopping the <laughs> condensation from forming on the inside <laughs> and uh, there's no mold growth as a result and um, I think we can expect them to stay fresh for at least a um, couple of years yeah okay okay right like house meeting okay yeah. like, like, I know four pounds fifty is right a hell of a lot of bread to lay out just for a lentil casserole but I did a lot right because what you have invented is a thing that if I was, for example, a massive plastic company, um, for a start, I wouldn't be doing this podcast, but <laughs> you've invented something that is potentially a threat to a very large industry like that sells a great deal of plastic to wrap products in that don't really do anything, um, which is a reason, I suppose, that no one's thought of it up until now, because maybe they have but um, there's not a lot of money to be made out of it. But does, does it excite you or worry you that you've come up with something that could potentially really be a game changer in how we use plastic? That's pretty exciting to me. You excited, all? You look excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, it's great because big, you know, in, um, global packaging manufacturers are knocking on our door. 
they're coming to us. You know, they know that change is on the horizon. You know, it's even happening now when there's this landslide of legislation that's coming, which is just going to ban plastic, bioplastics, non-natural polymers, etc. And and they can see it coming. And um, you know, they're, they're coming and talking to us. And you know, we're we're a startup, but we've we've got um, big ideas and a lot of ambition and some really exciting technology. But we need to work with them. We, you know, we need to form partnerships with them. They need to adopt it in order to get it out there and make a change and make it make an impact. It's, it's definitely a complicated, you know, problem with environmental issues. Um, but um, we, we we should work collaboratively to to solve this big problem. But what's worrying is that the problem is huge. The plastic companies are really vast. So uh, in order to tackle this big problem, there should be more companies like Solar Blue. Agree with that. That, well, one thing you said there is is really interesting, Francis, because on this podcast, we bang on a lot about kind of laws that get announced or consultations that get announced that are going to ban microbeads or plastic straws or whatever. And then, you know, three years down the line, very little has happened. And so we're very cynical about all of those all of those announcements. But it sounds like from the kind of industry's perspective, you, you think this is all these things are coming down the track that that massive changes coming in the industry is kind of preparing for that is that have i read that right it's it's happening and it's coming but it's a it's a slow moving train and so people can see it coming towards them and they're, they're having to prepare now but um you know it should it should happen faster and it needs to happen faster but these you know global decentralized massive corporations that need to change the way they operate can't do that overnight and they need time to adapt and they need um they need to prepare in advance, but you know those who aren't doing that now are going to be in, you know, big trouble in a few years' time because it is happening. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir. You. Plastics. So talk to us a bit about innovation itself. So this episode, we're as interested in kind of how people get whizzy ideas out into the world um, as anything else, really. So take us take us back. Imagine for a second you were dealing with two people who haven't got a business brain between them. Um, mm. And we come up with a really good idea for a product, like, say, uh, something to make all, all of Ol's hair go curly. Whenever I do that, his hair goes curly, for example. Um what do we do with that idea? How do you turn? What, what's the process for turning the very starting idea that you've got into something that people might buy one day? Um, so I think you will. Uh, th- with our process, we generally start with uh, what is the problem. You know, starting a problem is a really good way to um, you know coming up with a new idea, an innovative idea. Are you solving a problem? So identifying problem is really important. Um, and the second is, um, is there a demand uh, for, for your idea? You know, you, you spotted a problem, you have several ideas how to resolve this, but um, you develop a, you know, an, a, a product idea and then you will, you will think about, you need to think about, is there a need in the market? Will people pay for this solution? Um, would they buy it? And uh, the next step will be making quick prototypes 
to test with users, you know, might be your potential customers and, um, you know, to get some feedback as much as possible. So I'm, for example, to put that in, in back in context, I'm looking at all now and wondering, is it a problem that his hair isn't curly? And it's the solution. You're not the first person to have that thought. Is, the, is the solution Dave clicking his fingers? And then is, is there a you know, more general want for that to happen? And on top of that, would anyone pay for that to happen? I think we could, I think we could do quite a substantial crowdfunder. <laughs> it might be, yes. <laughs> I would like to see that. I think I've got a like to see it as well. And also, nothing's, happen- nothing's happening. I mean, while we're here, Dave, I mean, yes, would all you right. like a product that gave you a bit more hair, for instance, yes, or, or stopped all... your hair disappearing? That's all we've got time for in this week's Sustainable <laughs> oh, yeah, Health. I don't advise a haircut, man. All hairdressers are in the employment of the government. Um, so how do you get the money? How do you, do you, at what point does, do you get money from who to kind of make this happen? Because that's always the thing, right? At some point, you've got to persuade someone to lend you or give you some cash. Uh, how hard is it to do that for innovations? Um, it's, it's very hard. <laughs> uh, so you, you have a great idea. And, um, you know, in order to, you know, fund that project, first, you need to protect your idea. Um, you know, so that other people can't, you know, infringe it. Um, and then, uh, you know, with, with your idea, then you can go to investors or customers and then you can ask for uh, money uh, who might like to, you know, fund your idea and bring it to reality. Um, well, the Postcode Lottery's Green Challenge gave us some money and, and that's been really helpful. And I think winning competitions like that um, as well as raising the profile of what we're doing and you know making people aware of it uh, is the grant funding which has been critical to just keeping us going you know keeping us from having to take on other jobs etc etc um, and so that's critical to any startup in their first one two years um, of course you know those grant funds unless you land a you know really really huge one unless we win first prize fingers crossed um, on the on the postcode challenge, um, you, you you need investment from from um, investors. You need you need to sell pieces of your company to do that, and um, you need to raise a lot of money. And what we're doing is very capital intensive, but we're looking at ways to kind of split the costs with partners, with packaging manufacturers who want to work with us. There must be so many. It's just making me think. There must be so many brilliant ideas that people have had. And ideas that people have had that the people who've had them couldn't be bothered or didn't know how to do anything with. <laughs> um, the old curly hair problem, the one. Um, and that, I just, I've just sort of become aware of this, the, the tragedy of that, for want of a better word. Like, I wonder, is there anything, I suppose there's anything we can do about that. But, like, yeah, there must be, just think of all those brilliant ideas, old, that have just kind of fizzled out. Well, if, I mean, have you guys. Have you had ideas that you consider as good or better than this one? That are kind I'm of gonna on... give, I doubt they're going to just give those away. I, I know, you, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I accept that you can't really tell the internet about them, but um, I guess, yeah, conceptually, have you had ideas that you think are brilliant that just haven't got picked up? And as far as you're concerned, they're as good as, as what you've, you've had success with here. Um, yeah, I think we, we had a lot of ideas. We come up with ideas all the time. Um, but, you know, some ideas should survive and some of uh, should fail. I think that's the that's the reality of it. 
Um, so, you know, each time you come up with a product, it's, uh, it takes a lot of energy from, from environment to bring it to reality. So it needs to be considered a lot before, you know, realizing that, you know, it might be better even not to have that product. Right now, companies are market, like changing their marketing strategy. Like, uh, instead of saying buy this product, they are saying, do you actually need this product? Um, so we should actually, uh, as as customers, also need to think about: Do they actually need that product to, uh, you know, to, to buy? It it also goes on within an idea. So we've had this central idea about plastic waste and food waste, and how do you address that? And we're addressing it with a material, and the material can do different things and be different things. And so within that central idea there's then you know what what in startups called the pivot you change direction because you try one thing it doesn't work you know it's not the best version of that idea and you need to quickly change it because um um survival of the fittest you're losing you're hemorrhaging money as a startup and you've you've got to um uh you know progress as fast as possible with on on the right path essentially Uh, now I wanted, I wanted to ask you about about um, about greenies, about environmentalists, about crusty types like me and Dave, because um, I guess we're often we as in people in the environment movement uh, are kind of caricatured as thinking we've already got the ideas and we've got all the tech that we need to save the planet. Like it's about cycle use, lanes, cycle lanes. Yeah, that's just, what we need. More cycle lanes. Walk and cycle everywhere and use less energy and weave yogurt and wear hemp and everything will be fine. We don't need new whizzy tech, shiny things. And I mean, that's just wrong, isn't it? <laughs> are we wrong? It feels like talking to you, it feels like we're wrong, but are we wrong? I, I think you are right oh, and, and wrong oh. because you know we we believe the idea of you know less is more you know we should we should think about we should really consider uh, how much you know food we are consu- uh, consuming we should really consider um, our waste and reducing our waste and only you know buy uh, or, or consume the the things that we actually need uh, in our lives. Uh, but at the same time, um, the the food system, and we look at the food system, and you know, in a lot of production system, it's really complicated. Um, the the world population is increasing, so in order to manage all these resources, requires you know complex supply chains and complex production techniques. So um, when we look at behind the scenes uh, with this complex system, we need to we need to manage things in a smart way. Uh, and again, when we look at, at the food system, it's really broken. We are uh, we are throwing away one third of the food we produce. A third? One third of the food that we yes, eat? Yes, and it's 1.3 wow. billion tons of food we- weighing more than mountain Everest and requiring a landmass bigger than China to grow food that's never been eaten. Um, wow. At the same time, around the world, around one billion uh, people are going hungry um, every year. So when we when we look at the food system, we should we should also ask ourselves how can we fix this? How can we come up with better, you know, solutions? And how can we use the technology we have today to fix that problem? Mm. Yeah, we we should be asking why there isn't more technological innovation in in the, the food system. You know, mm. in in food packaging, in products, in the supply chain. Um, being as it's so complex, being as we live in such an, um, you know, an advanced uh, 
said to be advanced like state and society but we live in cities these complex organisms with um you know um uh, and 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 in cities you know it's you, you get people saying um um you know why can't we just eat local food well because you live in a you live in a tower block <laughs> you know you live you live in you live in central london where are you get where are you going to get you know where are you going to get that and i know there's these urban farming things and going up but but that's not a solution for all of the food you know that's your that's local a, food is pigeon mate that's 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 all you've got pigeon or rats cat. occasionally nasty nasty london pigeon as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not, not even posh Cambridgeshire pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> we did. We did notice a difference when we when we got into Cambridge. Actually, with the pigeons, they're just they're just bigger. They're kind of plumper and got their head held a bit higher. Because you walk you walk taller, don't you? If you're a pigeon in Cambridge, you know you've made it. Hang on a minute, all I'm going to play the posh Cambridgeshire pigeon music. <laughs> King's carrier pigeons. No, it isn't. That pigeon couldn't carry the king. <laughs> Hasn't got a tray or anything. So how long until we'll see Solu Blue on the shelves? What, what are you hoping? As soon as possible, but um, you know, it comes down to fundraising, and, and we've, what what we want to do next is um, we, we've we've made prototypes um, in the lab, uh, a range of different things, and prove that prove that it works at that scale. And for us now, it's all about scaling up in volume. So you know, great, we can make ten a day. We need we then need to make a thousand a day. We then need to ramp that up into a million a day. We need to drive costs down at the same time. And ju- throughout that process, we need to test it with food producers with packers with retailers in the supply chain and 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 just make sure it works and 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 can you know reconfirm that people are still buying it they still want it how much will they pay for it so there's a there's a journey that we're going on along you know and it's quite a long journey until we get to full scale but i think we can expect to see some early kind of trials and prototypes out there next year How's your tiny brain, Dave? Uh, it's all right. It feels a little bit like it's been wrapped in solute blue uh, <laughs> and left left in a cupboard for a fortnight. Um, yeah, I just uh, I do think, if I'm being totally honest, that 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 thing that we talked about in there about just think of all the wonderful ideas that people have had. I've like I reckon, and I don't like to blow my own trumpet, as you know. No, um, no, I ain't got a trumpet, but. Um, I reckon in the course of my long and distinguished life thus far, I've probably had a couple of ideas of things that genuinely, if I had an ounce of entrepreneurial flair, someone might have picked up and done something with. Um, I just think like of all the ideas out there, you're listening to this now, and you have had an idea for a product. You have in your life. And odds are you've done naffle with it. And just think we could have saved the the planet like enough times, enough years ago, if all of them ideas somehow got out into the world. I think it makes me a bit sad. And it does sound a bit difficult, oh, this getting stuff out into the world, testing, marketing, trialling, prototyping, begging for money thing. Well, the begging for money thing seems to be the key, doesn't it? Like, Mm. I don't know. It's all very well having good ideas, but you need someone with bags of cash to think this good idea is going to make my bags of cash get bigger. Uh, And... (laughs) So in a sense, it's kind of not unrelated to all the stuff we normally bang on about because 
if the you know if things that were polluting cost more money, then people who had bags of cash would like to pay for things that weren't polluting more than they currently do. So it's you know it is kind of linked to the slightly duller stuff that we bang on about. But I take your point. Do you know what I always get stuck at when I'm trying to think of a thing to invent? <laughs> uh, what? No, no, forks. I don't. Forks. I since I've since like uh, probably since I was about four or five. I've thought there's got to be a way to improve the fork, and that is what's as wrong, and that is as what's, far. What's as, wrong with the fork? Well, that is my that's the first problem I encounter. So this is not. <laughs> I'm not saying look at the fork; it's so flawed. This this could be done so much better. I'm literally just thinking I'd like to invent a thing. How about a better fork? And overlooking the fact that a fork is absolutely fine, and that's why I get stuck. That is why I have not thought of any other ideas. That is it. Honestly, what happens in my brain? Honestly. I'm not you know lying. when you know when I said I bet that you and most people that listen to this have at some point had a great business idea. Yeah, you were wrong about me. I didn't mean you. <laughs> I think I think probably I meant other people. So that is just about it for Sustainable 194, innovating our way to 200 episodes anytime soon. Uh, thank you very much, Dave, for babbling. Thank you more to Aicha and Francis for inventing the product that is going to save us all. Um, and best of luck to them for the competition results, which I think are in February or something. So coming up, coming up relatively soon. Thank you, as ever, to the magnificent Dickie Moore for the music that begins, ends and intertwinkles his podcast. And to the equally bliss, splendorant Arthur Stovall, who designed our logo. Um, and you can find that logo on t-shirts which are on our website sustainababble.fish buy t-shirts it's Christmas if ever there was a year where people's lives needed brightening by you tottering downstairs in nothing and I mean nothing but a Sustainable t-shirt this is the year uh, you can get into you've done that bit? nope you can get in touch with us and you can tell us what I you get in trouble. I get in trouble when I admit to not listening to you. And then you just go, have you done this bit? Which oh, it's just genuinely what's happened is during the course of you saying that, I realised two really important things I've forgotten to do. <laughs> <laughs> I've put them both on here. Look, I was writing them down and having mild panics and I wasn't listening to you at all. Um, so uh, you can get in touch with us and tell us what you thought of the show. We are on the Facebook at Sustainababble. We are on the Twitter at The Babble Wagon or on the email at hello at sustainababble.fish. And you can, if you like the show and you want to help us out, you can give us a review on your podcast medium of choice. But even better than that is that you can donate to our running costs like a few people do, like more people do, but not enough people do, at wobblywobblywobbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. Talking of which, wanted to say a little thank you to all the people who have given us cash. We are getting lots of lovely new people giving us cash, which is really kind, including the wonderful Griffin, who got in touch all the way from Australia to give us money. And thanks, Griffin. That was mega kind we really really appreciate it and love you great uh, so one other thing to give a quick shout about we got emailed uh, do you remember back in episode 185 oh, we talked about eco-anxiety and eco-distress um, and particularly how it affects young people well we got a lovely email from a guy called George King at the Royal College of Psychiatrists who just wanted us to give a shout out which we are happy to do to some materials that they have been producing about eco-anxiety um, and eco-distress and they just wanted us to note that they've got 
resources for children themselves and young people or for parents and carers um, and the best thing to do if you want to get hold of it is to have a look in the show notes we've put a little um, a little link to it or go to the website of the Royal College of Psychiatrists and just search for Eco Distress um, if if that seems like a good idea and um, yes you'll find you'll find all the things you need there so yes go look at that be less distressed super right we will be back next week thank you very much everybody for sticking with us this long that's the end of the show goodbye i love you bye bye all right lads so graphene is an allotrope of carbon Now, before you ask what an allotrope is, that just means it's just carbon atoms organised in a particular way. Diamonds, coal and the middle of pencils are all carbon atoms, but organised differently. Graphene is similar to graphite pencils, uh, but it's just one layer of atoms thick. It has some really interesting properties and is incredibly strong for its weight. It's been theorised for a while but and observed on occasion, but only in the last couple of decades in Manchester has it been properly isolated and a method for easily making it established. Quite how much use it will be to you or me in future is pretty uncertain though at the moment.